tempered through fire, all survivors possess wisdom and grit. Reclaim power and revel in life. I'm Kelsey Harper. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a survivor and clinical psychologist, and this is The Initiated Survivor. Here, we discuss topics relevant to survivors, so please be mindful of your needs as some of these topics might be triggering. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to share with you my recent conversation with my next guest, Nikki Dubose. She's a former model and a survivor, and she talks about her experience in the modeling industry and how that really informed her work doing advocacy and awareness building around mental health issues in the industry. She also is an eating disorder recovery coach and has her own eating disorder recovery program that she offers called Live ED Free. And it's a certified program through EDIT, which is Eating Disorder Intuitive Therapy. She's also a PsyD student, which means that she's currently working on getting her doctorate in psychology um, with the goal of continuing to expand awareness and education and services for people in the modeling industry also experiencing PTSD, eating disorders, or surviving from sexual assault and sexual abuse. So please welcome my guest today, Nikki Dubose. All right. Hello, Nikki. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, thank Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, so why don't you start, share a little bit about yourself and what it is that's bringing you on tonight? Yes. Um, so my name is Nikki Dubose, and I am a former model, and I am an author, um, I've written a few books on mental health um, and modeling, and I am a PsyD student. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, and my focus with getting my doctorate is on clinical psychology. Um, and this year, I started a private practice where I um, help those in recovery from eating disorders and addiction, um, but primarily my focus is on eating disorders. Uh, so that's been a real pleasure in, in getting to help people one-on-one and recovering from, you know, whatever sort of eating challenges and other addiction issues that they're having. But so my main focus over the past eight years of ever since I stopped modeling has been combining mental health and modeling in some way and, in trying to see that, that, um, that area grow, right. Cause we need a lot of Mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge in that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. I love how you're using a platform that you have to kind of expand the conversation about what of things that really do need to be talked about. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of um, misinformation, right. About models or people who might be in, inter- in entertainment in some way. Um, and, and there's a lot of, unfortunately, eating disorders and trauma and abuse that goes on in the modeling industry. Um, and, and just, I've sort of noticed that people who get into that business in general, sometimes, right, have sort of a history of vulnerability, right, mm. um, that can make them sort of, you know, um, susceptible to, to being abused in some way in that business. So there is a lot of mental health education that needs to be introduced, right. 
um, into that into that business. And there needs to be a lot of more resources available for models specifically, right? Because they're going through a very interesting, their their job is very unique, right? Mm-hmm. In the way that it's regulated and all sorts of things. So the agents um, and the agencies need to have more knowledge about mental health education and how to help someone if they have an eating disorder. So um, I can obviously cannot do everything, right? But if each, you know, as as psychologists, right, or people who are interested in psychology, if if you have an interest in that particular area, um, maybe moving forward we can uh, learn a bit more about that specialty and and try to help people in the fashion industry. Yeah, I mean that sounds fantastic. I think there's so much about the entertainment industry, the fashion industry that feels like there's, and maybe this is just my experience, but there's just so much that the public just generally doesn't know or see, you know, in part because it's kind of how it's designed is like, you don't see, you know, how you don't see how it's made kind of thing, you know, and that there's definitely some people that are going through some real struggles there. Absolutely. Um, Part of the thing is that, you know, when you see someone in a magazine or Instagram now, or I'm older, so I always think magazine, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's Instagram, <laughs> Instagram uh, whatever, an image of someone, right? Is that you just see the image and you don't understand that every person, every model, which is a person has a story, right? And they're dealing with their own unique challenges, right? So it's not just about the body diversity is amazing. And I love that. And I think it should have always been that way, right? You know, we, we would be in such a mess that we're in now with the eating disorders and, and all of that. But beyond that, when, when a person is employed as a model or as an entertainer, they are dealing with their own unique mental health challenges, right? And so they need their own resources and their own support. And they need to feel like they have a community where they can engage with other people who are of a healthy mind, you know, and, and, and healthy emotionally and spiritually. And there, of course, there are lots of, there's lots of therapy out there that's available, but I don't think in terms of the modeling profession specifically, that's, that's there for them. Um, So, you know, I'm hoping to change that a little bit. I've been trying to work on that for the past eight years and done a little bit in terms of legislative work, but I'm hoping as it become more educated, right? Because you really need to have your education that I can then work in that area um, even more. So I have uh, experienced it firsthand where people just think, you know, you are pretty or you look a certain way, you don't have mental health issues or you don't have trauma or you don't have, you know, whatever. And it can be farther from the truth, right? Because regardless of how someone looks, we're all dealing with kind of the same things, right? We all experience the same range of emotions and it's pretty, um, it's pretty horrible when someone just writes you off like that or make kind of like, it's, it's further traumatizing in a way, you know, um, for people to, to treat you like that. So that's what I'm dealing with. And, um, I'm hoping that more people in the future can open their eyes a little bit more and start to treat um, entertainers and models as human beings, right? So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I do have my own history um, coming into this of of obviously being a model for 
for about 10 years before I went back to school to get my education and became interested in the clinical aspect of all this, which was um, modeling was my life. And I thought I would always be a model. That was everything to me. But before that, I had a really rough childhood. And so um, I, I wrote a book about this. It's called Washed Away from Darkness to Light. And it's very, very um, direct. Like, I don't, you know, cookie cutter, you know, I don't gloss over anything of my life because I felt like that was really important. So there definitely is a trigger warning for that book. But the reason why I did that is because I wanted people to understand, again, that just because you look like something doesn't mean that you have an easy life or that doesn't mean you're not dealing with severe mental health issues yourself or, you know what I mean? So I had my fair share of eating disorders growing up and I had about 17 years worth actually. And, um, the, the sort of trigger for that was child abuse and child sexual abuse. And, um, when I became a model, I, <laughs> would say now looking at myself from a clinical standpoint, right. That I was definitely vulnerable. Right. But, but at that mm. point I didn't realize that I was vulnerable, right. We never do realize those things about ourselves. So I was always kind of, you know, uh, I would say attracted to situations where I felt like I had to prove myself and prove myself with my achievements or, look how great I am, right? Or look how pretty I can be or all of that stuff. And I just want to preface this a little bit and say that there's nothing wrong with modeling. I don't think, you know, I think you are free to express yourself in however way that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to do with your life, fine. As long as you're not hurting anyone, fine. But the problem, you know, that I soon found out about modeling uh, and the problem I still have with some of the the modeling industry today is are happen to be within the agencies and the agents, and I've been very outspoken about that um, because they don't particularly treat models very well, right? And there's there can be a lot of re-traumatization and assault, right? Mm. Um, financial abuse, emotional abuse, constant bullying about someone's weight, size, shape, just the, the overall way that they look. And people have to take that home, you know, when they leave a job and they have to deal with that. And so I was dealing with that every day. And so I did not realize that I was entering a career where I was going to be re-traumatized again. Right. And I was raped um, I was sexually harassed. Okay. And the, the rape and the, and the sexual harassment really, I think led me to leaving the industry. And, um, it really triggered my, at the time I had anorexia and bulimia that I was struggling with. And it just triggered that so much. And, I'm thankful that I left when I did because I was able to come to terms with my own reality and what I needed to do to recover. Um, and it's taken a really long time to kind of like 
I would say, untangle myself from that identity of being the, the model and that sort of thing, but to come to terms with who I really am, right? And it's not like, you know, I think a lot of us get attached to like, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, I'm a model, I'm an influencer, whatever it is, right? And we think that's who we are, but it's not who we really are. It's what we do. It's like one of the things that we do, right? And um, the trauma was something that I really had to work through for a very long time through therapy. And even now, so a lot of times people will ask me, why aren't you still modeling? You know, how come you don't just do it still on the side or whatever, you know? Um, And I have, it took me a while to realize that I have PTSD, right? Um, I was very clear that I had eating disorder for a long time. And then I recovered from that. And even now as someone who's going to school, right. To be a clinical psychologist, sometimes, um, something I have experienced is it's like, oh, I don't want to say certain things anymore. Right. Cause you kind of want to be perfect almost as a mm-hmm. psychologist, right. You, you don't want to disclose too much, but there are certain times when it's okay to disclose certain things, right? If it's for, to help, I think other people. And I will say that I have definitely suffered from PTSD. And that's the reason why I have not gone back to modeling because even though there's been a huge shift in the industry in terms of body diversity, right? And acceptance and all of that, which is amazing. None of that matters if you're personally dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Resulting from trauma or something that happened to you on the job. And so that's what it's about. And I don't know if I could return. I know that I can because I, I, I do believe that we all can recover, right? And I'm working through those things. But it's also about setting boundaries for yourself and understanding if something's healthy for you or not, right? So like, I'll give you an example of what moving forward for me, modeling looks for uh, in a healthy way. So I have been doing some photo shoots, right? Uh, but I, I only work with female photographers. <laughs> because Not that there's anything wrong with male photographers, but it's just that the female, I feel safer as a survivor of rape and sexual assault and child abuse and all of this stuff, right? That happens over 36 years of my life. I feel safer um, setting certain boundaries, right? In that regard and saying, I will, I will do this, but in this way. And I wanna make sure that, that I'm calling the shots, I'm setting up things and that I, I know everyone who's there and, and I'm doing things in the way that makes me feel empowered and safe, right? And in control. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think that, I think what I love about what you're saying is how you're engaging in what you want to do in a way that is really very like centering yourself and your own needs. And instead of making it about like, you know, what other people are, are saying or doing or who they might be of just saying, this is what I need in order to feel safe and comfortable 
you know, and and because sometimes people do get defensive. They're just like, well, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm blah, 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 you know, or or just because I'm a man, la, la, you know, the, the you know, the, the uh, backlash that we've gotten, you know, from me too, and all those other things of people coming forward, acting as though we're attacking everybody when it's like, no, this is centering survivors. And what you're speaking to is how centering yourself is really you know, in many ways freed you to be able to do this in a way that is safe and mindful of your needs. Um, and also probably I, I imagine feels so much more fulfilling, you know, right. when you're not suffering and struggling and you also know that everything is set up in a way to really set you up for success and for it to feel like a really good experience. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot, I have not really, you know, I think, I, I've worked with Rain, right? Which is how we connected, which is a great organization. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend it to, to all the survivors out there or anyone who's wondering about resources, right? For assault or um, rape, abuse. But there's a lot of weird things that go on in your head after you are recovering from trauma. And people will say, like, well, did you report something, you know, right after? It's like, well, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But, you know, that's not the point. And I'm not here to like answer your questions about what happened. You know, I'm here to do my own healing. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting about, you know, what's taken place in that healing capacity. Like, to be honest with you, I think this is probably one of the first podcasts. I think I did one post about it where like I started organically to even talk about the fact that I have PTSD because it, because that's what it is. You know, it's like something that has really kept me ashamed almost about talking about certain things, you know, and, and um, even to the point where just even wanting to do photo shoots or anything like that, it was, it has been so like, shaming like you know oh you shouldn't do that right there's the should boys and all that kind of stuff you shouldn't do that don't do that because you know you don't want anyone to see your body or like you don't want anyone to to sexualize you or something you know uh and and so it takes a lot of introspection and self-awareness and going to therapy and that sort of thing to really understand what's going on there and, and understand what's coming from trauma and what's actually reality. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's every day I'm working on that and there's nothing wrong with taking photographs. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with feeling beautiful in your body right? That's a healing thing. I think for survivors, yes, you know, that's a good thing. And so I want to say that loud and clear. And I think I was hit with a triple whammy because of the fact that it happened on my, at a, was what was supposed to be at a casting. So it was like in the modeling profession, like on the job sort of thing. Right. And then me wanting to be a psychologist and sometimes psychologists are seen as like, you know, it's like, you need to be very conservative in the medical community. It's like that, but we all have different parts of ourselves, right. With that need to be expressed as human beings. 
And so trying to weed through all those voices and just say like, okay, as a human, I'm allowed to express myself. I'm allowed to take pictures. I'm allowed to feel beautiful. I'm not hurting anyone. So what part of what I'm thinking is coming from trauma and what what part is coming from shame and the guilt and, and all of that. And I realize it's a lot, you know, it's a lot and it's okay, right? It's okay to have those thoughts and it's okay to feel ashamed or guilty or embarrassed because that's part of what PTSD is. And so it's fine. And for years I would like, you know, when I would go on social media or something, I would see everybody taking all these photos and and just feeling so confident. And I'm like thinking, what happened to me? (laughs) Mm. Thinking that, like, where am I? You know, but it would be like these disconnected thoughts. And it's like, oh, well, that part of me is gone. You know, like that part of me, that person that used to, you know, feel, I I don't want to say sexual, but I want to say like confident in that way. And wouldn't be afraid to post a picture online, right? Because there were so many photographs of me on the internet in lingerie or something. But then for me to go and post a picture of myself, it was like, I felt like I was doing something wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so that's when I started to really realize this is not correct. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think with my own journey, there's so there's so much that you're describing that really resonates too for what what I went through as well of you know after I, I always describe it as like the before it happened and then after. Um and that that after it happened, it there definitely was this ex- intense feeling of loss of myself, you know, that and that there was so much of that that was I understood it to be shaped by fear of like, I'm too afraid and I'm too scared to like put myself out there and be myself and realizing later how much of that was also really shame related to the trauma, um, particularly. And, um, you know, and, and just that how quickly and how deeply that shame like digs its roots in and how, to the point where it can sound like my own voice talking to myself and my, and my thoughts about telling myself to, you know, kind of stay cooped up or, or stay in and not connect with people and to withdraw from relationships or like the, you know, you don't, you don't deserve to go big with certain things, or you don't deserve to be out there having that kind of fun or joy or to be so free with whatever you want to do. And, and then like with putting out this podcast, like you said, that there's this, there's some, uh, there's some theorists around like with psychologists that you're supposed to be this blank canvas for your clients. And so you're supposed to have so much like mystery around who you are and, you know, so they can just freely project onto you. And that's just not how life is. And in my perspective and many people's perspective, you know, in a postmodern perspective is that like we're humans, we're people that are in that room. And by being more fully ourselves, when we're in that room with our clients actually becomes so much more healing than trying to be these stoic, you know, totally neutral figures. And, but it, it definitely was something despite like feeling really convicted in that, that, that belief, um, you know, and practicing in that way, when it came time to put out this podcast where I was like, 
I really want this to be a very genuine expression of myself and my experience. And that was part of it was knowing that clients, potential clients, future clients may hear this and they may know something very deeply personal about me and they may understand that. And there's a part of me that, you know, of course that, that shame comes in of like one, I'm, I'm in general, like rape culture, don't talk about this. And then also, you know, it kind of like morphed its shape into being like, well, being a good psychologist means not talking about yourself. And, you know, and I kind of broke it down and was like, I actually think like, it may actually make me so much more effective for people if, they were to find this and they found and they learned something important about me, you know, being a real person in that room becomes a powerful instrument for their healing. And so there is a lot that also feels like, you know, our healing practices from our trauma become like rebellious acts because like we're breaking off these like rules that get imposed upon us and really restrain us. And it seems like that's kind of what you're talking about with like reclaiming these these things about yourself that you loved and reclaiming some of your authority and agency in your life to determine what's going to happen and what you want to do um, is a, in many ways a rebellious act. Yeah. Yeah, it is, but it is a rebellious act. And, and, I, and I think a rebellious act out of, like you're saying, out of self-love, Right. Like I noticed when I was younger, I was all over the place, (laughs) just put it in a very nice way. Right. And that's okay. Right. Because we don't have any roadmap for how to take care of ourselves. Sometimes when we go through trauma, I would say that I'm much more self-aware now and organized in my life, but I am, I am going through it something now where it's like, reclaiming, you know, and, and rebelling, but in a way that I'm not disorganized. I am like, I have come to an awareness that I have some, you know, some form of PTSD and that I need to reclaim some things, some parts of myself, right. That have been lost a little bit and taking that back because it's an act of self-love, right. Because we always want ourselves to be whole and complete. And we deserve to have that, you know, we deserve to, humans are not so black and white. I mean, we are made of all the colors of the rainbow, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're allowed to, it's not like you're this or that, like you're allowed to, to have interest in, like, you can be a psychologist, you can go online, you can model, you can feel sexual. Some days you cannot feel sexual. Maybe you don't want to have sex with someone for a long time. Maybe sometimes you do. Maybe sometimes you feel gross about your body. Maybe sometimes you don't. Maybe sometimes you feel amazing and on top of the world. And maybe sometimes you don't, you know, and things constantly change within the color of your personality and your feelings and emotions. And I feel like the, the older you get, the more they change, you know, because you're constantly rediscovering new things about yourself. And I, there was a point, you know, when I was doing uh, like five or six years ago when I was doing my book stuff that I thought, oh, OK, I got it. You know, <laughs> like I'm an eating disorder recovered person and I'm fine. 
And then I am fine, but I wasn't tapping into certain elements of my um, trauma healing, you know, and, but that's what it is like, right. Like things will come up at different parts in our lives and then things will happen and it like brings it into full awareness and we have to deal with it when it comes up. Right. Mm -hmm. It's never really like, you know, like to tell some of my clients, like it's never really like you, you recovered. Right. But you, you recovered in a way that you're constantly having to manage things and you have the tools to do that so that you don't fall backwards. But yeah, it's, it's not like you're just never having to deal with things. Things will definitely come up. And that, and I feel like something, you know, has definitely been coming up for me, but it's an opportunity for me to grow in that area and to rise up and to say, and to, and to sort of reclaim my sexuality as a woman and know that that's nothing to be ashamed of, because I do think that, that going through rape, I'll be honest with you, did, did kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of um, screwed up that perception of what my sexuality was supposed to be and how I was mm -hmm. supposed to interact with people and what my job was all about and what modeling meant to me. And it, it just clouded all of that stuff. But I love, I love my education. I love, I really want to get, you know, finish and get my doctorate degree. And at the same time, I love modeling. Like I love the creative process. I love helping people in the modeling industry. I would love to do it, you know, model in some capacity again, do it, but there should be no shame attached to that. You know, it should just be about feeling empowered and, and feeling, and feeling good about myself, you know, not like constantly thinking about, Oh, the darkness of <laughs> modeling. And I think some part of that bothers me a little bit in some way, because whenever my name is attached to something about modeling, it's always like the darkness of the modeling industry. <laughs> it's like, I would, that's great, you know, but like, I would love to just be, you want, we want to change our narrative of survivors too, right? And we want to have like, life goes on and we want to, we want to be empowered and free. And after the darkness is the light, right? So we want to live in the light and there is a life that continues on after all that. And what that looks like is different for everyone. And for me as a human, it means reclaiming like I keep saying back my sexuality as a woman and living in that because we only get one life, you know? And so we deserve to, to feel happy in our sexuality and in our, our womanhood and our femininity and to never feel scared or ashamed or like we're living in a darkness of some sort. It should just be like glitter and <laughs> radiance, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I love, I wrote down something you said that I thought was, it just, it hit kind of like the teeny tiny nail, like right on the head of um, that feeling with the healing of like, we all want to be whole and complete again. And I was like, yes, that was so much a part of the feeling and in recoveries, you know, there's there's all the symptoms that come with PTSD, you know, and everything that where it just feels like your body and your brain has been taken over by 
some other kind of beast and and you can't necessarily get out of this this experience and and over time with with treatment that can that can repair and remediate and then there's this feeling of like what hap- what has happened to ourselves and i always use the word from my experiences I, I felt like i was obliterated like who i knew myself to be my life my identity was completely obliterated and you know, and just the image of like, almost like myself being kind of completely shattered into teeny tiny, you know, little pieces. And, um, and that the, the grieving and the sadness and the despair at times was about not feeling whole and complete, you know, and that longing for having that, that feeling back of being back into myself. And, and I think for, for me, like there was this sense of, like you're saying, like, I'm always living with PTSD. I don't believe that there will be a time that I don't have this. And my recovery was about how to, was definitely about reducing how much suffering this was and also how to continue to live my life as free as possible, you know, moving forward with this. And I also feel like a major shift is starting to feel much more whole, much more complete as myself. Um, and I really liked how you described that feeling whole and complete. Yeah. Yes. We want to be complete. We want to be whole. And even more than that, we deserve that. Mm-hmm. And it's really understanding and knowing that in the deepest part of your soul, that is important that, Hey, I deserve that. Because I think trauma takes away that, that knowing of like, oh, I deserve this. Like, this is, this is meant for me. You know, I'm born to, to thrive and to live whole and complete. Yeah, we all are, you know, but trauma has a horrible way of, of squashing that down and, and making us always feel like we have to live in fight or flight or strive or, or scratch for just the most basic things for our lives but it's, it's not true, you know, because organically when we're born, we're born free and we're given love, right? Most of us. And, um, even the ones that aren't, even those of us that aren't given love when we're born, we are, we're supposed to like, it's, it's our, it's our birthright, right. To, to be, to be given the basic needs like shelter, food, love, so recovering, I think from trauma is getting back to those basic elemental needs and, and not being afraid to speak up for those needs, you know, using that recovered voice, like, okay, I don't feel good anymore. Like I need this, you know, and no one's going to speak up for me. So I'm going to speak up for myself. You know, it's, it's talking to that part of the soul, like, okay, let's, it's time now. <laughs> you know yeah. and so what may seem silly to someone else like oh she's reclaiming like you know oh she's reclaiming her sexuality oh whatever like she's da 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 has no idea that you know that person is literally you know reclaiming her soul you know and it could be one of the most critical things you ever do for recovery for yourself absolutely I think it, that's the process, like, you know, as you put it, reclaiming the soul and it's like finding that genuine sense of pleasure in life and in ourselves and that sense of meaning and purpose through being completely ourselves 
and connecting to that. And, you know, that's, that's what I think so many of us like sorely miss during that recovery process and are just constantly seeking is that, that, you know, that sense of being back into joy and pleasure again, and like real genuine joy and pleasure of life and our, and ourselves and our body and, and just being in that moment. Yes. Cause a lot of times we don't even know what that looks like to begin with, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately it's often some messed up version of pleasure or whatever. And so it's like, well, how am I even supposed to know what real love or self-love or happiness looks like if I've never had that to begin with? So it's, it takes time. You know, and it's a lot of self-awareness and learning and being with supportive people and taking risks too, you know, and, and, and trusting yourself, right. Trusting your soul. That's the biggest part I think is being intuitive, learning to be intuitive instead of being led by all the head chatter, because your soul will truly never lead you in the right and the wrong, excuse me, direction, because it always knows what's right for you. But even sometimes to get connected to your soul is hard, right? Because it can be so clouded by trauma. And so that is a process in itself, getting reconnected to the intuitive part of yourself. But once you do and you, and you amplify that spiritual muscle and that spiritual part of yourself, it will never lead you in the wrong direction. It will never lead you in the wrong direction. That's so wonderful. With wrapping things up here, because that was such a beautiful way of closing, do you have any words for survivors or allies listening to this right now to help send them on their way? Yeah, I I always want people to know that you can totally recover, right? And I think I've always been extremely honest <laughs> about where I am. You know, I'm not trying to say that like, oh, I'm there's nothing wrong with me or whatever. I am sitting here being extremely honest about something that I'm going through again. And so, but even with that being said, I know that full recovery is possible, right? And you can get to the place that even when you're still dealing with something, you are in a recovered place, you know, and, and you're living a very fulfilling life. And, and I am, and 15 years ago, I mean, 10 years, I'd say about 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I for sure never thought I'd be sitting here, you know, being asked for my advice to tell (laughs) survivors because I was one, you know, I am a survivor and I was a person who was in desperate, desperate need of tools and resources and someone to help me. So if I can go from that person to being where I am today, I truly believe that anyone can, you know, and I just want that to stay with someone that if they persevere and they really um, stick with recovery, they can get to the place that they want to be, which I believe is full healing. Um, But it is, it is work and it is a lot of self-care and maintenance, right? But it's worth it. You know, it's, it's worth it to, it's better to be working through something, right. And, and at a place of healing and working on something than it is to be stuck in the depths, right. Feeling like you can't ever get out of there and it's okay if you're there too, 
but I just want you to know that you will be able to get to the other side. You will be able mm. to. I know that. I know that with all my heart because I've lived that. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us tonight and, and those lovely words and, and just all that love that came out from you today. I'm sure everybody is feeling right now. And yeah, just thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I am a clinical psychologist and love to share these skills and tips to build resilience and recovery. However, this podcast is not a replacement for psychotherapy or mental health care. We have links in our show notes where you can connect with a provider or you can get a referral from your primary doctor if you wish to receive those services. If you are struggling today or wish to speak to someone, know that RAIN is always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer support, guidance, and referrals for help. You can speak to someone right now at RAIN at the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. The Initiated Survivor is a podcast written and hosted by me, Kelsey Harper. It is produced and edited and all around awesome podcast magic is casted by Sam Valentine. The beautiful music you heard is written and performed by Michael Carpenter Jr. If you wish, please leave us a sweet review so other survivors can find this podcast and get connected as well.